0: Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here, and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Nugget number one, ready? Read. The just what? Nugget number two, please. Boy, you you need to read that again. Ready? Read. Man, that's powerful. What God demands, God provides. Nugget number three. Nugget number three, sound people. God justifies those who believe in him. That is so awesome that God justifies. We don't justify ourselves. All of our goodness, no matter how good we try to be, all of our goodness is as of filthy rags. It's nothing. God justifies us. And he sanctifies us. You want to get into that because we'd have to get into progressive sanctification. But God sanctifies. He not only sanctifies us, he justifies us, yes? Nugget number four. Please read that again. It, with our e-church, with the e-church Come on, get involved. Open up your mouth wherever you're viewing this broadcast and say it as loud as you can. And in the edifice, say this as loud as you can because this is a truth. Ready? Read. God has given. So you live in the kingdom of God by faith. Now, there are two kingdoms. But we're not in the kingdom of darkness. We are in the kingdom of light. We are in the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Yes? And in his kingdom, God has given faith as the divine process. If you're going to be successful in the kingdom of God, you have to operate in faith. If you're going to be healed and keep your healing, you have to operate in faith in God's kingdom. If you're going to be financially independent, you have to know how to operate in faith in God's kingdom. Because in God's kingdom, it's sowing and reaping. But you sow by faith and you reap by faith nugget number five ready read it is, that it is keep that up uh, video department please it is strong faith that enables us to enjoy a high standard of living where well, you can't have a high standard of living unless there's a low standard of living. Both are living, but it's different kind of living. But to enjoy a high standard of living in God's economy, you must operate in strong faith. I said it Wednesday, and I'll say it today. I was driving down the interstate on my way to Wednesday uh, Bible study, And the Lord spoke to me. Have the Lord ever spoken to you? Just real simple. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me in my my spirit. I heard it here. Not here. I heard it here. (laughs) That if you think big, you'll live big. If you think small, you'll live small. Then I heard it again. If you think big, you'll live big. If you think small, you'll live small. So I started thinking within myself. If I think big, I will live big. If I think small, I will live small. So I thought, I am living today based upon how I think. And if I think big, I'll live big. Now living big brings a lot of persecution. And persecution comes from people who are thinking small. See, if you decide to live big, It comes with a lot of persecution. People will get jealous if you're living big. But their jealousy will be expressed from people who are living small. Because you see, if you're living big and other folk are living big, they ain't got time to talk about you. Because they're too busy living big too. Your criticism never comes from from above coming down. Criticism always comes from the bottom up. Ooh, Jesus, can I help you? Nobody ever criticizes you who's doing better than you. All your criticism will always come from somebody when they look at themselves and look at you, they think you're doing better. And out of jealousy and envy, they will criticize you. Because in reality, they think what you have, they should have. So when people criticize you, you never dignify it by responding. For the mere fact that they are criticizing you is a sign. Somebody say a sign that you've been noticed. that you've done something or you're doing something that has gotten their attention. Oh man, that's awesome. Now let's go to Romans chapter 1 and use this as our foundation today. The title of the message is living by faith. Living by faith. And I can I could really do this with my eyes closed. But let's look at verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. Talk to me. The just, come on, say it again. Come on, say it again. The just shall live by faith. Now, this is mentioned four times in scriptures. The just shall live by faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says the just shall live by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says the just shall live by faith. We've already read Romans 1 and 17. And then in Galatians 3, verse 11, it says the just, Paul talking to the church at Galatia, he said the just shall live by faith. And Paul uh, chastised the church at Galatia because he came to them after they had started out in faith like Harvest Church, but then they got into works. And then Paul showed up and said to the church at Galatia or the Harvest Church, who have bewitched you? You started out in faith and I left you for a season and you didn't hold fast to the teachings. And now I've returned and discovered you're no longer walking with God by faith. Now you're trying to please him with works. Now faith without works is dead. But works without faith is religion. That's why you'll always hear religious folk talking about what good deeds they do. No real relationship with God, but they think doing good things qualify them. And all it qualifies them for is an overdose of religion. One is faith and one is works. Can somebody say amen? Is this helping anybody at all? From faith to faith means simply out of faith into faith. God saves you by faith. We live by faith. We die by faith, and you'll be in heaven. How many, when you die, you're going to heaven? Boy, that's everybody. How do you know? I said, how do you know? Have you ever been there? Do you have any family members that are already there? Three of you. three of you i'm sure more hands went up in our e-church and i'm so honored of the e-church i thank god for our e-church do you know i have people all around the country in california alabama florida ohio and texas and utah i mean uh, illinois uh, Minnesota. people who call me their pastor and they honor god in this ministry with their tithe do you know what an honor that is out of all of the people that are on streaming or on television, that out of all the people they could choose, they felt in their heart from God to choose me as their pastor. And I met one the other day that came all the way from California and said, so I just want you to know you're my pastor. And so I want to invite all of our E-Church members, whenever you're in Kansas City, uh, you get it. I don't care if you're in Clay Como <laughs> or Leavenworth. Wherever you are around the country, if you're ever in the Kansas City area, amen, please come home and see the family, amen? Come on, church. Give them a great big God bless you. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Justification by faith means that a sinner who trusts Jesus Christ is not only pardoned, because Christ died, but he also stands before God complete in Christ. I have a saying in the back in my study that I say over and over, I am complete in Christ. I am complete in Christ. And I say it over and over and over. Why? Because as I keep confessing, I am complete in Christ. It removes from me a mindset of condemnation. Because your, your faith won't work if you're feeling condemned. And so I keep reminding myself that I am complete in him. Not in what I have done or could do. I am complete in Christ. In Christ Jesus, I am complete. Lacking nothing. In Christ. In Christ, I am complete. Are you listening to me? In Christ Jesus, we are complete. Say it. What God demands, he provides. So God commands holiness and then he gives it to us and we take it by faith. God demands trust and then he gives us his word for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, faith is a trust. Well, how can you trust if you don't know? Well, I trust God because I know God. How do you know God? Because the Word and God are one. Can I know Him better? You're darn tootin' I can know Him better. Well, how do I know Him better? By feasting on the Word of God. For the Word of God and God are one. To know God is to know His Word. To know the word is to know God. Well, now I cannot, amen, excuse myself by saying God works in a mysterious way. God is not mysterious. He works according to his word. He's mysterious if you don't know. God is not hiding from us. Are you listening? You don't hide from somebody and then tell them where you're at. Any, any of you all ever played hide and seek? Anybody ever played hide and seek? And then you find a good hiding place? You know, maybe you were playing with your brothers or sisters. And I mean, you found a good hiding place. But your brother or sister looked at your mom. Or your dad, or your auntie, or somebody else was in the house, and they did like this. (laughs) And then you go out, I found you. And you say, somebody told. And they did. I got you now. That's the same way it is with the Holy Spirit. He tells you, God help me. And the Holy Spirit says, Because he's the only one who knows where he's at. Oh Jesus! That's why he says, "Seek, and you shall find." Knock, ask, you shall receive. Because the Holy Spirit is here to help us. He's He's over there. Over there, where at forty three hundred North Corrington Avenue. Now, let's let's look at this. In Romans chapter 4, I'm almost finished. That's not true, but it sounds good. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Oh, you got to see this. I want to look at verse... uh, I want verse 20. Well, look at verse 20 because I want the last verse, but but look at verse 20. Uh, Oblige me. He did not waver at the promises or the promise of God. didn't say promises. And he did not waver at the promise. Abraham had a promise. Hallelujah. You don't look that. I got a promise too. I said, and you got a promise too. Come, Come on. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully, some of your translation says persuaded, some of your translation says convinced and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness not being now that it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, the Bible says that Abraham, that Abraham did not waver at the promises of God. Not the promise, the promise. And the promise was God said, Abram, you're going to be a father of many nations. But Abram now is 100 years old and his wife is 90 and still a fox. Abram is is 100 years old. He's got a promise from God that he received at 75. 25 years have passed. And Abraham said, I am still fully convinced that what God said to me, Oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning because God has said something to somebody in this room, somebody watching, amen on our e-church. God said something to you, and years have passed. And I'm telling you today, if God said it 30 years ago and it still hasn't manifest, just keep holding on because it surely will come. And then the Bible says that Abram, please have a seat, that Abram did not waver at the promise of God. He's looking at his physical body and it's not as hot as it used to be. You explain that to your children later. (laughs) And uh, his wife, her womb was dead. When's the last time you heard of a 90 year old woman having a child? I don't care what it looked like. If you got a word from God, well, I'm ready to preach now. Because as a little boy living in a shack with my daddy with no lights, no electricity, no running water, and going to an outhouse all my childhood and cutting wood and gathering kindling and taking worms out of the ground, selling it at a bake store so that I could get something to eat. But sitting on the steps, in the midnight hour when my daddy was gone drinking and carousing and I'm in that shack by myself God gave that little boy a word and his word to little Stevie is I am going to bless you and I didn't know what a blessing looked like. But I agreed with God. So I started singing a song as a little boy at five years old and six years old and seven years old and eight years old and nine years old and 11 years old. A song, I believe, uh, that was was written by Sam Cooke. It's been a long, long time coming. But I know my change. Ain't nobody happy about my change today but me. I started singing that song, not realizing that it was prophetic, that the more I would sing it, the more angels would grab a hold of what I was saying. Singing in the dark. No candles. No lamp. Cause that costs money. Just in the dark. And the only light sometimes in the wintertime or at night was the light that came from the potbelly stove. But I kept singing. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, that river, it kept on running. But I was determined that even though I was in that condition, one day my change is going to come. Now, I know what you're saying. Oh, preacher, I, I got a problem with that because that's not faith, that's hope. You're right. You're darn too. You're right. But faith is the substance of things. Come on, talk to me. I was hoping and singing for a better day. Then one day, I got a hold of this truth like I'm teaching you today, that the just Shall live by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not perceived with the senses. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That hope is a gold setter. And my gold was to come out of the condition that I was living in for a better day. So I started singing about it. Could God have mercy? and singing about it, and singing about it. And I didn't know when I was singing that there's power in your confession. And while the kids were laughing at me in the hallway in school because I had holes in my shoes, I was singing. I was confessing my way out of my condition. I know, I know, I know. One day my change is gonna come. Stand to your feet, you've been sitting much too long. Touch three people and tell them, say, my change has come, my, my change has come. Glory to God, let's, let's release the, the spirit of faith in this place. My change has come. Yeah, my change has come. Hallelujah. You you may be seated. Yeah, my change has come. And the Bible says that Abraham did not waver at the promises of God. The Bible says that he, he wasn't discouraged when he looked at his condition, nor the condition of his wife, who was past the age of bearing children. Why? Because when God gives you a word, time doesn't mean anything. Time doesn't, the Bible says one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. We get upset because we think God is in time and God is not in time. God is in eternity. So when God says, I'll see you tomorrow, that could be 15 years from now. But what he said, it's going, to, it's going to come to pass. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider, verse 19, his own body. And this was before Viagra. And to want to be truthful, Viagra wouldn't help this situation. This is beyond Viagra. The whole bottle. (laughs) And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, Lotus, already dead. Since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Why? The Bible says that he was fully convinced. Ooh, that he was fully persuaded. When you're fully persuaded, you don't waver. No, no, let me help you. When you're fully convinced, can't nobody talk you out of it. You don't want to hear nobody who don't agree with you. And you'll tell them, listen, I don't care what you say. I know what God said to me. I know that wasn't me. That was God talking to me about what he's going to do for me. And I know my husband in the natural, with the he's acting a fool. He's still in the clubs. He's still doing, but I know what God said to me about my husband. and I see him, I see her, I see us coming to the house of God, feasting on the word together. Now you can leave yours because perhaps you didn't get a word, but I got a word from God that my spouse is gonna straighten up. And and I'm I'm, I'm committed to being there when they straighten up. I don't want them to straighten up and I'm not there and now they straight for somebody else. The devil is alive. i paid the price when there's acting a fool, and I'm gonna reap the benefits now that they've straightened up. I didn't go through all this for somebody to get a good spouse, cause I left. Some of y'all know what I'm doing. Just leave me alone. Now, here, I like to call it a faith formula. That I've just shared with you out of Romans 19, 4, Romans 4, verse 19 to 21. If you apply this formula, there's nothing in the kingdom of God that you cannot get manifested in your life. Number one, Abraham has had God's word for it. The Bible says that Abram did not waver. At the promise of God. He had, he had what? He had a word. He he had a word for it that that God was going to, he had God's word that he was going to be a father of many nations. And his wife was going to be a mother of many nations. And and here Abram is a hundred and his wife is 90. And the Bible said he staggered not. In other words, he looked at the deadness of himself and his wife, but he wasn't moved by what he was able to see with his eyes. He was only moved by what he believed. So he had God's word on it, number one. Number two, Abraham believed the word of God. It's one thing to get a word. It's another thing to believe it. Some of you got a word from God, but you're wavering on your belief. So Abraham had a promise from God and the Bible says and he believed it. In other words, God said something to Stevie and Stevie believed it. And today I don't have holes in my shoes. I don't have raggedy clothes and I'm not hungry and my roof don't leak in my house. At least the other day it wasn't leaking. Because I refuse to waver at what God said. The Bible says that Abraham, that he staggered not at the promises of God. Why? Because he had a word for it. Then he believed God's word. Number three, he considered a not the contradictive circumstances. So Abraham's condition was contradictive to what God said. Sarah, his wife's condition was contradictive to what God said. And Abraham didn't allow that to cause him to waver. God gave you a promise, but your present condition is contradictive to what God said. And if your present condition is contradictive to what God said, then your present condition is subject to change. Jesus. And the day will be a good day for the change. And then last but not least, this is, this is mind-shaking. I know some people say, it blows your mind. I don't believe in saying that because I don't need my mind blown. <laughs> but then the fourth thing that he did, the Bible says, He started giving praise to God. How do you give praise to God for something you don't see yet? How do you give God praise for something you see? How can you give God praise for something just because you got a word of what he said he's going to do? Ooh, Jesus! You see, if you would give praise in advance for what God has promised, you'd be dancing right now. There would be no room for discouragement or depression. If you really believed that what God told you, he's well able to bring it to pass. And you really believe that God can bring it to pass, until you get some difficult circumstances that are contradictive to what God says. God said, you're going to live and not die. Then the doctor says, you have cancer and you got 30 days to live. Now you got a battle. Whose report are you going to believe? There's a whole lot of folks who are still alive today, that the doctor said they should have been dead, but they believe the report of the Lord that they would live and not die. I prophesy over you that you shall live and not die to live to bring glory. I I command cancer to loose you and let you go. I command high blood pressure to loose you and let you go. I command diabetes to fall off of you now in the name of Jesus. I command sickness to leave. I command disease to leave. The blood of Jesus is against everything that hell has to offer. I command your mind to line up. I command generational curses hallelujah to come out of the blood of Jesus who's report are you going to believe it's been a long long time but I know my change i've been struggling a long time trying to make it with these babies the daddy won't even send 10 cents a month and i got these babies folks look at me when i come to church with all my kids or when i walk in a store or a restaurant i get all these strange looks and I'm able to endure the looks because I got a promise from God that my change, my change is coming. And all of what God told me he would do, I don't see it today. But if he can do what he's already done, Then I'm convinced he can finish what he started. Let's 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 end with this. Can I see your hands? You believe the word of God? We're gonna find out. John chapter 10. This is my second closing. And I grew up Baptist before I went around those Pentecostals, before I went to Vietnam. And uh, in the Baptist church, you could get three closings. And in the Pentecostal church, the holiness churches, you could get as many closings as you wanted (laughs) because they would stay in church. (laughs) And, And whoever said that, they're not lying. Jesus. Yes, sir. Yeah, you go to Quick Trip and come back, they still be there. But you're in John chapter 10, you said you believe the word. The thief does not come except, verse 10, to steal. So God doesn't steal. And to kill. I was at a funeral the other day back, back east. A man, 94 years old, uh, had lived a full life. Somebody that I acknowledged and honored every month for the last 30-something years. And the family requested that I would come and uh, officiate it. That's what his request was at 94. And I thought to myself, nobody here, you know, should be crying, maybe his wife, who I love, I call her mom, so-and-so. You know, she can cry, she, you know, cry because she's been with him, you know, I think married 70-something years. Yeah, yeah, you don't hear that much today. I'm shooting for it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, we got a good chance. We met each other, six weeks later we got married. We've been married almost 30 years now, amen. That's too long to be running down the road to turn around and quit. Hey, Amen. I got 30 years of investment. Man, I almost got her just the way she needs to be. You think I'm going to give her up for some other man to come in and. Man, I, I got her almost fixed. Now, I don't have to be scared standing here saying what I'm saying because she shouldn't be watching this program because she's in church in North Carolina ministering right now. And after service, they're not going to re-broadcast this. And you're not going to tell. Amen. <laughs> Stop telling everything you know. And Jesus said, but I have come, this is for me, that you might have life, Steve, and that you might have it more abundantly. And I thought about the man, I wouldn't, I didn't forget, it. Mr. Smith, 94 years old, lived a st- strong, blessed life, but they had in a program about God wanted a flower. And I tried to hold my peace, and I said, I can't let them say that about my God, and I got the mic. <laughs> and I had to let them understand that I don't care what age you are. God is not a killer. And every person, say every, if you when you read the Bible, every person God called to heaven that he wanted ahead of time, he brought them while they were alive. Because death is an enemy. And when we get to heaven, we're not a flower in His garden. What are you going to be—a tulip? (laughs) Come on, this is—you know—it sounds good to to the religious mind, but that's not Bible. God is not killing people. The thief comes to kill to steal. And to destroy. And I'm so tired at funerals how even preachers attribute death to God as though God is killing people, killing that father, killing that mother, leaving these little kids by themselves because God wanted their mama, their daddy. The devil is a lie. God is a giver of life. Now it is appointed unto man once to die, but that's after we've lived a full life. I'm not dying. I said, you heard what I said. I am not dying until I finish the reason that God birthed me into this earth. And I won't die of sickness. I won't die of disease. I will die because I'm done. Hmm. And I don't care what they tell you. They'll say, well, pastor had this or had that because they got to say something because the world need a reason. But I'm telling you ahead of time, when when my time comes, you'll know that I'm done. And I won't be done in the next 10 years. And I won't be done in the next 20 years. And I won't be done in however many more I want to say. Just blessing anybody? And so, while 10 of you are still standing, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And if you can't pay your electric bill, that's not a good life. As a matter of fact, if you can't take care of your responsibilities, you run the possibilities of losing your testimony with your unsaved family members. How can you be saved, borrowing money from somebody in your family who's not saved? Whose God is greater? And if you say you're serving God and you're struggling, why do I need to serve him? Because I can do that without him. And most of us try it. But if serving God is better, where is the better? I know some of you are scared to talk to God like that but if serving you god is better where is the better if i'm worried just like people who don't know you if i'm struggling just like people who don't know you if i'm depressed just like people who don't know you if i'm oppressed just like people people who don't know you. And if knowing you as my personal provider, then where is the better? Who Jesus. If you die to provide the abundant life, then where is it? And why does it look like People who don't even have you on their minds are doing better than the people who say they love God. Why is the dope man living large? Well, y'all got quiet. You get quiet because you don't mind the dope man living large, but what about you? You should be living better than the dope man. The dope man's scared. And the Bible says that God maketh rich and it addeth no sorrow to it. That means you don't have to lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. You can operate with integrity and God will bless you. And I'm proof as a pastor that you don't have to steal to make it. One reason I don't steal, there's too many members in this church who love me and my wife for me to be stealing. And for 30-something years that I've been a pastor, I've never stood behind this pulpit and presented anything to the church like I needed anything, even when I needed it. When they repossessed my house, I didn't tell you. When I went through bankruptcy, I didn't tell you. When the government said, you got five days to get out of that house in Blue Springs, we're going to put a lock on it. And once they put a lock on it, if you break in, then you're, you're committing a federal offense. And I took the church truck and the church trailer with another church member, and I gathered everything I could out of that house before the government put a lock on it. And I never told you, some of these. this is the first time you've heard this. Because I believed God. And the reason I operated that way is because, Mother Lewis, I had a word from God. And God said, if you'll stand still and don't say nothing and don't talk about nobody, don't say anything back, don't let them know what's going on, where the finger would look like it would be pointed at somebody. If you'll take all the heat That's what God told me. He said, I'll preserve you, and I'll keep you. Are you listening to me? And everything that the enemy stole, I'll bring it back to you in sevenfold. So I stood while folks had questions in their minds and criticism, but I stood and I ministered the word of God, and I never referred to anybody. I took the heat just like God said because I had a word. And he said, I'll restore everything. They took my car. They took my house. They took all my money. They closed the bank accounts out. And I never said a word to you. And when you gave your tithing offering, I never took a penny on the side. I never borrowed a dime and said, I'll pay it back when things are better. I never said a word, but I had a word. God gave me everything. I got a house back. I got the car back. I got the blessing of raising all my children. I got my kids back. I got everything back that the enemy tried to steal from me because I had a word from God that if I would keep my mouth shut that he would protect me and provide for me and the church. Ooh, Jesus! So I staggered not at the promise of God. And because I stagger not, Harvest Church, 25 something years later since that tragedy, I'm still almost 30 years now, since that tragedy, ooh Jesus, make me wanna shout all by myself, hallelujah, how time just flies on by when you're in the perfect will of Almighty God. And so to the person today, in this room and around the world, Who's got a word from God and the devil is trying to convince you that it's not going to come to pass. I declare and decree that you will not die until everything God said to you come to pass. You you don't hear much about this. You You don't hear much about this anymore. But lack is a part of the curse. And growing up in lack can cause a whole lot of problems for children. I encountered something just the other day and I'm done. And uh, I'm trying to say it in a way where, cause we got some real smart members. All, you, all they need is two dots and they can <laughs> connect the rest. It can be a hundred dots, but if you just give them two, I'm telling you, they'll get the other 99. So I'm just gonna give him a dime. <laughs> I was called because there was a 911 in a situation. And so I had to go to this place to try to, uh, I don't to say be a mediator, but to add some measure of counsel counselor wisdom. And so I heard all the parties involved. And then I realized that I was going to respond to this situation this crisis in a family I was going to respond to it with a western mindset and I'm going to tear the, I'm I'm going to tear everything up I mean I I I was going to respond to it to this eurocentric western mindset And I was gonna respond to it that way because the people involved did not have a Western mindset. And so there was a clash between the parent and the child. With the Western mindset, it looked like the child was right. The absence of the Western mindset the parents were right. And so what I discovered in the, in the consultation is that there was, a, there was a clash of cultures in the family. That the parents had a honorable, respectful mindset, but the children in America being trained and conditioned with a westernized mindset had a dishonorable, disrespectful mindset. So the conflict was the parent and the child were butting heads because the parent's mindset is that the children honor the parents no matter what. But with the westernized mindset that their children are being programmed, you can roll your eyes at your parents with the Western mindset. You can talk back to your parents uh, with the Western mindset. Uh, Your parents can tell you to do something and you don't have to do it with the Western mindset. And if you don't like it, you can call the police on your parents with the Western mindset. But the parents of the children were not raised in America. So they didn't have the westernized, Americanized mindset that the children control the house. Their culture was, if the parents said something, you do it, and if you don't do it, the whole village will deal with you. Because if you disrespect the mother, or the father who's your parents, the whole village takes it as a dishonor. So the parent is responding to their child with that cultural mindset in America. So I had to get the parents to understand, I understand what you're saying from your culture. But in America, they will lock you up for not letting your child have their way. In America, there are no consequences for children telling their parents no with an H with it. and then go in the kitchen and eat the food that their parents bought. The devil a whole lot. In America, if the parent says something to the child that they don't like, the kids can roll their eyes, even talk back. Some of you my age or older, uh, you telling your kids your teeth is cracked Cause you bumped into a pole. You ain't bumping no pole. You got smacked. Talking about you were born with your mouth shaped that way. It got knocked that way. Talking about your eyes always set a little off. There wasn't nothing wrong with your eyes when you were born. They got knocked cockeyed and didn't come back. And you needed glasses to see. Because in that culture that we used to embrace, you couldn't talk back to your parents. And when you got a spanking, nobody butted in. You could spank your child at school, in the hallway, Or at the scene of the crime. And I mean, they would tear you up. And all other folk would say, walking by, they must have did something bad. (laughs) But under that culture, we didn't kill each other. Oh, we had fights. You know, somebody put a stick on your shoulder. You say, knock it off but we didn't just run around, just spraying a community with bullets. We didn't kill nobody for their shoes. We didn't snatch some grandma's purse. You didn't even have to lock your door. Because if the community found out you were stealing, if the community found out you were stealing in the community, you didn't call no police. The community would deal with you. You know, so and so's a thief. Don't let him come over your house. The community would tell. Don't let. Don't, don't let, let Junior. Uh, don't let things. Listen, if they come over, don't don't put your stuff up. The community would tell. And sometimes family members would tell on other family members. Don't let Junior in your house. Girl, when you go over to Aunt Susie's house, put your, put your purse in, 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 and leave it in the car and lock it. People would tell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But now, under this westernized culture, 2 year old. I can't tell you how many times I've heard parents say, I can't do nothing with them. I can't do nothing with them. Pastor, can you help me? I can't do nothing with them. And then they, well, bring them to me. And, you know, I'm expecting, to, you know, at least five foot. <laughs> and, th- and then they come in with a pamper. And you, you look at the parents like, wait a minute. He and she, they're just two. There's no such thing as terrible twos. There's nothing terrible about them that a switch can't handle. Come on now. We went through through the twos and nobody called us terrible. Come on now. And you didn't always have to get a switch on you. Sometimes all your parents had to do was show it to you. Sometimes you didn't have to show it. Just walk that way. But that was before we embraced the dominant culture. Now we got in this room... Parents are, they're putting a chokehold on it. They get, don't you say nothing. <laughs> but this is where we are. Because of the collage of the cultures. I don't know if I gave a really good answer, but I had to give the parents something to keep them out of jail in America. Because there are people who will say that spanking your children will warp their minds. How do they know? They ain't never had no children. And we got tore up. Look how warped we are. That warpness kept us out of jail. That warpness kept us in a mindset of respecting people and honoring people. Look how warped we are where we say, excuse me, and thank you. Look how warped we are. That if we step on your foot, we say, I'm sorry. Look how warped we are. We don't walk between two adults talking without saying, excuse me. Look how warped we are. When our parents told us to shut up, we shut up. Look how warped we are. And when our parents said, when we get home, I'm going to deal with you, they meant it. It wasn't no threat in front of people. As a matter of fact, you started crying when you started heading home. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh at this, but I told my wife, I said, "There are some people today that are not married. I said, the reason they're not married is because the parents didn't believe in manners. I told my wife that. Well, there's some people who are not married today, of marriage age and they're not married because the parents didn't believe in in manners. She said, what do you mean? I said, when you raise a boy or girl, a young man or young woman they grow up with manners, and then they go to the house or the family of a potential husband or wife, and they hear the rudeness coming from your child. Everybody in their his house or her house, says yes ma'am, no ma'am, thank you, no sir, no ma'am and then you bring this potential uh person to meet your family and they're in there talking about no yeah uh uh-huh and auntie's over in the corner you know every family got a messy auntie And, and she's over and grandma they're over in the corner they take an account saying who is this rude child that that jonathan I didn't mean to say Jonathan. That uh, <laughs> I didn't really mean to say Jonathan. He's just on my heart. <laughs> Who's this rude child that they don't brought to our family? It's clear they don't fit. They don't have any manners. So when you take a potential... Uh, young lady or a young man to meet your parents and your family is an honorable family. They were raised with manners. Then you got this young man or this young lady talking about, yeah, no, and "Uh uh-huh to your mama and to your daddy. Wait till you take her home and come back to your parents. They're going to tell you, if you bring that hut, I don't care how much education you got. I don't care how much money you got. Don't you bring that back in my house. Who Jesus. I've used my last Pentecostal closing. If you were blessed today at all, give God praise and thanking the just shall live by faith we walk by faith that was totally off of the message but perhaps a parent in here needed what was said because we're losing our parent, was it parental parental skills we got young folk having babies who are saying they don't know what to do with their one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old child saying that they don't know what to do with them. And some parents are scared of them because they unraised a bully. How can you be afraid of somebody that you're feeding? And clothing. I have five sons and they're strong men. They're military men like myself. But if I tell them to sit there behind down, they will sit down. And three or four of them are bigger than me. They don't sit down because of strength. The strength They sit down because of what I put in them in their formative years about respect and honor. And if you roll your eyes at my wife, your mama, I'm going to knock you out. You got your first time to disrespect my wife. And they're grown men. And I will, they're grown men, and I will snatch every one of them if they put their hands on their wives. I didn't raise you to fight women. I raised you to love them and take care of them. If you got one, you got to fight. You don't need to be with her. If you got a woman, you got to fight. You chose the wrong woman. Hey, I've got to fight you to get you to follow me, we're in trouble. Because I don't need you to follow me cause you're scared or I'm being a bully. But I need you to follow me because you love me and you trust that I'm hearing from God. And you ought to know that I'm hearing from God because every now and then if I am a man like I say I am, you ought to stumble up on me sometimes with me on my knees crying out to God to confirm to you as my wife that you can trust me. Every now and then you ought to see me on my face if I'm really seeking the direction of Almighty God. Can somebody say amen? Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.